I heard the men's voice. They were singing to you. And as they were doing that, you're singing right back into our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that blessing that you've given us this morning. I look forward to hearing what the word's going to be, Lord. Speak to me, because Van needs to hear something new and fresh. Even though it's probably been said before, it's always fresh to me when it comes from you. I love you, Lord. I praise you. And we lift up our voices in one unison and say, Amen. Um, Ed, 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 Ed. Hey, now, we're going we're gonna to start doing things a little bit different right now. Seriously, look at me, man. Any of you guys need prayer right now for your body? Anybody need something going on? Anybody's, anybody right now need prayer? Anybody not doing well? So you keep your hands up, whoever it is. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just keep your hand up. You see that guy's hands right now, guys? I want you to go now in front. Put your arms on those guys right now. Lay hands on them right now. And you just pray right now, ask, ask what they need prayer for, and start praying for them right now. Let's just take this time right now to do this. Pray for them. Believe that God wants to move right now. Amen. 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 Isn't that nice to start in prayer? Amen, huh? So I got a couple announcements to make. If any of you guys can go on, if you want to, to hear one of my top five favorite messages I've ever heard in my all time. And I've probably listened to a couple thousand. Jim Cimbala's message from the East Coast Pastors Conference. Uh, if you get a chance, Jim Cimbala, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, The Storm. Uh, it was one of the most anointed messages I've ever heard in my whole life. I would like for you guys to hear it. East Coast Pastors Conference, 
this last two weeks, the week before last, that's where last week we were there. I was there with Pastor Brett, and we had an amazing time of getting recharged. But that message, unbelievable. So I want to encourage you with that. Yes, sir, Pastor Brett, sir. Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia's website, messages, conferences, East Coast, ECPC, East Coast Pastors Conference. Okay. ccphilly.com is the URL, is what Carl is saying. And you guys know what URL means? You don't have to. That's what the website is. That's what it's called. So Calvary Philly. But anyways, they're all there. They're all there. But uh, especially that one, it, uh, just to let you know. New work update. You guys have been getting it, but, uh, oh, where's my brother that went? Where you at? I saw you in here earlier. There he is, Terry. Terry Terry was generous in his, uh, in his words, but Terry, I mean, we have the liberty right now because this, this is a time. Uh, unbelievable stuff, huh? Pastor Brett, Newark, uh, life-changing stuff, guys. I want you guys to be praying. Lord willing, we can do this once a year. We can go do a work project, and then you guys can get worked on because that's what ends up happening when you go there. You go to work, and God does a work in your heart. It's a unbelievable time, but God has uh, given us a haven in that place to minister in, in, a, in a very awful place. I would encourage you to have your kids go on the on the, on the retreat too to the to the outreach. Uh, we we have a we are so protected, and, and the gospel needs to go out, man. Amen. And the gospel has to go out, amen. And somehow we've we've lost that as a church, and that was I was convicted of when I was there. Um, people just want to be loved and know what truth is. And somehow that gets messed up in, in our in our in our safety in this room. I'm being truthful with you because I'm sharing what God has done in my life since I've come back. And I just want to encourage you guys with that. We're not we're not designed to be comfortable, little Ronnie, right? He is comfortable. <laughs> God wants to stretch us. God wants to use us. God wants us to be poured out, and God wants us to be men. When we get in front of Him, say, "Well, how come you didn't do that?" I don't know, Lord. I want to see him to say, well done. I'm going to give him my crowns. Amen? Amen. So something else I want to talk to you guys about, Freedom in Christ ministry. That should be starting here in the next 30 days. Freedom in Christ will be our men's purity ministry. We, it looks like God has brought us a site, potentially, and some other things going on. So we have some more, more things to do diligence with, but we want you guys to be knowing Freedom in Christ ministry is going to be a, a, a specific ministry designed for sexual addictions, uh, pornography, things like that, lust. We want to help the men of the church. And we're going to use this as an avenue for restoration, reconciliation. So that's going to be happening soon. We've been taking this slow. Forgive me, but don't. I don't want to rush into anybody, anything too quickly anymore. So we've been praying about it, and God's been meeting us faithfully. Jeff and Markham and I, we've been meeting, and it's been going well. Yes, Markham? Jeff? Yes? Yeah, God's been meeting us very, very in ways that uh, we've been very, very blessed with men's retreat, men's retreat, men's advance. Oh, Lord, I love it. Last weekend of September, you know, I saw on Calvary Chapel Chino Hills website, men's advance. So they stole our they stole our thing. That will be the last week of September. We will launch it, Lord willing, uh, Father's Day weekend. So we'll, we'll be the focus because our minister, we're, we're next, right? So we're going to we want as many guys as can come, come. Uh, price should be, we'll nail that down here in the next week or two. Going to make it affordable and also, but, you know, things cost. So we want you all to come to be a part of it. So it's going to be up at Williams Lee last week in September. It'll be nice because it's not going to be 
hot up there, but we'll be done with being the heat, huh? Ugh, the last week of September is awful. So on that note, uh, speaking, that's a good word right there. So who's speaking is the witness. The, the title of the message is The Witness, based out of Acts 1-8, and it's called Being a Witness. And the man coming to speak is Pastor Ray from Calvary Newark. It's going to be unbelievable. You guys are going to learn what it's like, because I couldn't think of a better witness to talk about being a witness than an actual witness of being a witness in Newark. He's going to, he's, man, I got man, mad. I got, I, got, I got a man crush on him. I'm not going to lie to you. He's a sweet man. Love the dude. We, we text once a week, and uh, you're not going <laughs> to, the dude is awesome. And he's, he's all in. He's in the community. There's, I'm not exaggerating, 20 to 30 kids that come by. Their, their parents to 20 or 30 kids every night. Every night they don't have any help. It's unbelievable. But he's going to come, and we wanna, we're want we going to encourage you guys to come. We might do something Sunday night for the people, too, so they all can meet him, too. So it's going to be a busy weekend. Uh, Mr. Montenegro, if you would come up, I would appreciate that. Mr. Black Mountain. Esteve Montenegro, verdad? I'm close enough. Uh, you speak Spanish? Si. Yeah, it's close enough. Well, this is Steve Montenegro, you guys. He is, I'm going to let him give you his pedigree, but we're humbled to have him. Please give him your due attention, and let's pray for him right now before he goes up. Thank you, Lord, for this, this man who serves you first to come and share the gospel with us and the truth of what you want to, Lord. We're humbled by him coming, Lord, and we're humbled by um, using godly men to influence the world. Lord, I pray a blessing upon him, Lord, a double blessing, Lord, and, and pray, Lord, you just use him to speak to us. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be in a room full of men, not having to worry what your breath smells like. I'm kidding. It really is an honor and a privilege to be here this morning with you. I want to thank um, Donnie and I want to thank my good friend Craig Malou for uh, the invitation that they extended, um, it really is an honor, and, and I'm glad this isn't glass or see-through, because you always get nervous, and once in a while, your knees start shaking, but um, especially because it's special men, you know? It's, it's the men of God. Um, I, I grew up in church. My father's a pastor. In fact, my father's a pastor here in Surprise, just on the other side of the tracks, uh, the tra uh, train track. We still have train tracks in 2016, and they're becoming more uh, stronger and stronger, but that's another subject. Um, I, um, I really am honored that you would uh, invite me, and uh, you know, I was, I was asking the Lord, I, there were so many things that kind of might have happened, and, and, and this wouldn't have been possible, but it's very clear that the Lord wanted me to be here with you this morning, and I understand why. You've been a blessing to me already this morning, just sitting there and meditating and singing with you, and hearing that some of you have really great voices, and the other of you have other great talents. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Everybody was lost in, in, in the spirit. So, Pastor, thank you again for that trust. Um, I just want to share some words with you of what the Lord has um, given me. I, I don't like to sit here and, and speak about myself. I know they asked me just briefly. I'm, uh, my name is Steve Montenegro. My, um, I'm a state representative also. I'm a minister, but I'm a state representative here in Arizona. And I, um, I believe in the Constitution. I believe in the great foundation that this country was founded on. And so you can believe that shifting over to being involved in elected office was not easy. And certainly they, you're not accepted. And at some point I tell people politics eats you up 
chews you up, and then spits you right back out. So the number one cause continues to be the gospel. But we have to be involved in this world. We have to get involved and be mindful of what's happening in our surroundings or we just get run over. So um, this morning I want to share something with you. And I, they, they told me, please speak for like two hours and a half. And I was like, no, no, no. And they said, please, please. And I said, that's dangerous. You give a minister and a politician the microphone, and that's not a good combination. Um, but I want to share with you just a thought of what the Lord put in my heart and just encourage you. And I'll start off with um, the book of Exodus. If you have your scripture, I know you all brought it with you because it's up on the screen. Um, or it's on your iPhone. <laughs> But um, I want to just share with a thought with you this morning and, um, and let the Lord speak however he has for us. I want to appreciate the musicians and that ministry, uh, that beautiful ministry that they have. They really did minister to me this morning. Exodus chapter 3, and I, I want to read from verses not, uh, 7 through 12 and just follow me. I want you to kind of get the heartbeat of, of what's happening here. And, and just to set it up, this is the great conversation that a man named Moses has with God. And those conversations, those deep conversations are the ones that change our life. And, and this is what's happening to Moses. This is the life-changing conversation that Moses has with the Lord um, in that famous episode where the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. And kind of like that movie, The Three Amigos, but that's another subject. Um, but this is the Lord himself speaking, and I, I want you to feel the heartbeat, and then we'll get into what I want to leave you with this morning. And um, <clears throat> this is what it says, verses 7 through 12, and I'm reading out of the uh, ESV just for reference. It says, then the Lord said, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, Moses, who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, uh, bring them up out of, the land, uh, of that land to the good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey and steaks and <laughs> Um, to the place, I like to kind of put in my own interpretation sometimes, so just bear with me. To the place of the Canaanites, or the Hittites, or the Amorites, or the Parasites. Not parasites, but parasites. Anybody know any parasite or parasite? No. Um, and the Jebusites. Verse 9. This, here's where I, wanna, I want you to focus your attention on this conversation. And now behold... The cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, I will send you. Turn to the person next to you, to the man next to you, and tell him, you. You. Yes, you. Me? me? No, yes, you. To Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And then Moses answers. This is a conversation, a very important conversation. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go before Pharaoh or go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? In verse 12, God says, he said, but I will be with you 
And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people of, out of Egypt, you shall serve me on this mountain. And if you just turn to the following chapter, chapter 4, it's the next one on. And, and we're going to read three specific scriptures. Verses 1, verses 2, and verses 17. Then Moses, the reason I want you to see this is because I want you to see the back and forth. It's Sometimes we have to have a back and forth with God, a conversation with God. And Moses, this, is, this isn't just a short conversation, this is a long conversation. You know? Sometimes we have to get used to conversing with God more than the thank you for the food, good food, good time, good people, let's eat kind of prayer, and into a broader conversation with God. In verse 4 it says, then Moses answered, but hold on, I got a question. I'm not sold on this yet. Behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, or they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Verse 2, the Lord said to him, and here's the question I want to leave you with this morning as well. What is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And Moses answers, a staff, a rod, a stick. Verse, and then I want you to go to verse 17 of that same scripture. And this is what the Lord answers and says, And take in your hand this staff, this rod, this stick, with which you shall do the signs. This is what impacted me as I was reading this conversation. And if it's something that's always impacted me, it's been the moment or the manner in which God deals with a man or with a person. Where, where God just gets into his face, when God begins to work in him and just either changes him or when, when God molds him, when God deals with the man one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I, I believe that most of you here have had that moment with God that we sometimes refer to it as a come-to-Jesus moment, literally. Right? It's just that moment where we, 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 we throw our hands up in the air or that moment where we tell God, Lord, that's it. I can't do this anymore. I need your help. Or if, 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 if an answer is going to come, it, it has to come now. That's the moment that Moses had. I mean, he remembered Moses' story. He had fled from Egypt. He had refused to accept who people told him he was going to be. He had refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had, because he knew there was something different. There was a different calling in his life. And I'll start there. Because many of us know deep down inside that we're made for something bigger. We know deep down inside that we're meant to be doing something. We know that there's a purpose and sometimes we struggle with that. And sometimes we struggle. It's not your fault. It's not our fault. It's the surroundings, the pressures that we deal with, the chores of life, the responsibilities that life brings as men. Sometimes we don't ask for certain responsibilities. They're just handed to you or they're placed on our shoulders. So, but we know that there is something that we're supposed to be doing. And Moses knew that, so he flees. He flees. In, and he ends up at a moment where it's just him and God. And those are the precious moments that we have to seek for. I mean, Jacob, there's another man in the Bible that Jacob knew that he had to have that moment with the Lord. And it, what happens is that he sends everything he has. Jacob, remember the, there's even songs written about Jacob when he wrestles with that 
angel of the Lord or the man all night and the Lord smites him in his, on his side and he never walks the same again. That moment, Jacob knew he had to have that moment and he sends everything he has in front of him and he stays there alone. That's the moment that Moses comes to at this time. And the Lord is very direct with him. You know what, Moses? I know who you are, but I want you to know I have a purpose and a call for you. And, and the reason I have called you, Moses, is not necessarily you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I have a purpose for you. Yes, I have chosen you. Yes, I know you before birth, before you were born, before you were formed in the belly, I knew you. Before you were even born, I sanctified you and I gave you as a prophet to the nations. I know that. But there's people out there also that are crying out. There's people that I have that are hurting. Their cry has risen to my throne, to my ears, and I have heard and I have seen the oppression with which they're being oppressed. Let me just lay that charge on you this morning. I know you have so many responsibilities already on you. I know that life has so many challenges. But I want to remind us as a body that there are people hurting out there. There are people really struggling Friends, family members. I like to read this quote. I have to remember when I started because then those two and a half hours will come true. Um, But there's, his name's Pastor Mike Cope. He, He pens this and I thought it was really interesting. Let me just share it with you. He calls it the paradox of our time in history. He says, people have doubled their incomes and doubled what money buys. They spend more, but they have less. People buy more, but they enjoy it less. Bigger houses, smaller families. More conveniences, but less time. More medicine than ever before, but less wellness or health. We read too little. We watch too much TV. Not us, right? Not not people, not, not you. I'm just speaking broadly in our society, okay? Don't get mad at me. I remember it was Mike Cope. Get mad at him. We read too little. We watch too much TV, and we pray too seldomly. He writes, we have multiplied our possessions, but we have reduced our values. These are the times of tall men, but men of short character. Steep prophets followed our shallow relationships. Fancier houses, but broken homes. We've learned how to make a living, but not how to make a life. We've added years to our life, but not life to our years. We've cleaned up the air, but we've polluted our soul. Less happiness, more depression, less commitment, more crime, more substance. Do I need to remind you of the ills that we see all around us? People are hurting. People are hurting. And in this moment where people are hurting, God brings Moses out. There's a purpose and a calling. There's a purpose for God calling you. God puts his finger on Moses' nose and he says, I will send you, Moses. I have heard them and so I'm choosing to send you. So I bring this to you this morning. There's purpose and there's a calling in your life for a reason. And God has put his finger on your nose. And God has says, come here, John. Come here, Mark. Come here, 
I'm going to send you. The interesting thing is that we sometimes end up like Moses, right? Because Moses was human. Hold on a second. I'm not sold on this. And many speculate and historians speculate that he was stuttered. So I'm not going to try to stutter, but that he would stutter and he wasn't a good, he wasn't a speaker. He didn't spoke well. (laughs) He wasn't a good communicator. And God put people in his life to do that. See, God knows how to do it. He put Aaron in his life to be the spokesperson. Sometimes we need to speak less. (laughs) Ooh, that was a jab for me right there. We have to let others do our speaking. But this is the moment, and, and Moses finds himself struggling with the Lord. Who am I? Well, Moses, I, you're nobody. I get that. But I'm still going to send you. <laughs> no, he didn't tell him he was a nobody. I'm going to send you. There's a purpose for you. And he, and he, and he struggles with this conversation back and forth. It's not a short conversation. This is a long conversation. Moses has some real doubts that he's the one that can do this. That's how we face sometimes. You know what, Lord? I I know you don't make mistakes. I know you're almighty. I know you're all powerful. I know you got up from the grave after being dead for three days. I believe that. I just don't believe you can use me. (laughs) This is too difficult. You could raise people from the dead, but not you can't use me. And there we are struggling with God. Let me just remind you, he doesn't make mistakes. And if he has placed a call in your life, it's no coincidence that you're here this morning. If he has placed his calling, his finger on your face, it's because he knows what he's doing. <clears throat> and it's okay to question. It's okay to, that's what I'm saying. These conversations are important. Really, God? Me? I can't even speak. I'm not the best. I just fled. People are looking for me to kill me, Moses could have said. And God knows how to, and, and, and this is where God really deals with him. And he arrives at this question. He says, all right, Moses, I get it. Look, what is it that you have in your hand? You know, sometimes I, I want to charge you because sometimes as men, we can be a little stubborn. A little? Sometimes as men, we, we, we put our foot down and and. and and, and this is what happens to men in the Bible, too. It's not just us. You remember of a man named Job? Job was perfect, except that God had to put him in his place as well. In chapter 28, 38, when he's speaking with Job, he says, you know, Job, I think you think a little too much of yourself. This is my interpretation. I think you think you're too wise and too smart. Saddle up, cowboy. That's the Western interpretation. It was more like, gird your loins. In other words, fasten your seatbelt. I'm going to ask you some questions, Job, and I want you to answer them if you can. (laughs) Even Job, the philosopher, philosophizer, and the eloquent Job in his words and all of his wisdom, oh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay, Job, you think you're big and bad. You think you're smart and wise. Here we go. Where were you? Where were you when I formed the earth? When I laid out my, how many construction erudites do we have here? Where were you where I took my measuring tape out and I measured the longitude and the altitude and the 
amplitude. And <laughs> I just made that up. I just don't get mad at me. <clears throat> Where were you where I set doors to the seas so that they would not cross into the dry land? Job. Where were you where I made the stars and the lights? Whew. He puts them in his place really quick. So, my suggestion is, don't go toe-to-toe with God. <laughs> He'll put us in our place. He's called you. He's called you with a high calling. He knows how many hairs some of you have on your head. <laughs> I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look around. He's, and he not only knows how many hairs you have on your head or on your body. Let's translate that. He knows how many stars there are in the sky. Not only does he know how many stars there are in the sky, he knows them by name. And if he says, I'm going, I've chosen to use you, then just accept it and say, all right, I don't know how. I don't know what you're going to do, but okay, Lord, here I am. What is it that you have in your hand is the question that flows forward. <clears throat> and I could see that conversation go a little bit frustrated with Moses. And Moses, was, I, this is my version of when I read Moses, like I have a rod, a staff, a stick in my hand. God, a stick. And, and, I could, and God tells him, you're going to use that stick. And I could see oh, Moses just a little irritated. Lord, why didn't you come to me like... Three months ago or three years ago or four years ago, when I was in Egypt and I had gold in my hand, I had silver in my hand, I had chariots in my hand, I had weapons in my hand, and heck, I, I, I lived in the palace. I had authority in my hand. Whatever I wanted, I had then, Lord, but now you come to me? I'll tell you what I have in my hand, a stick. I got a little sassy with God. I have a staff in my hand, a crowbar. And I could see God saying, that's all, Moses? That's all you got? That's all I got? A staff. All right, Moses, I'm going to use that staff. I'm going to take that stick out of your hand, and you're going to work wonders and miracles with that staff. And he does. <laughs> that's the staff he uses when he... Goes to Egypt, he touches the water and turns into blood and puts it toward heaven and hail with fire comes. And later on, that's the staff he extends towards the Red Sea when it opens up and the people of Israel walk through it on dry land. I mean, they didn't even get their Nikes muddied up. They walked on dry land. That's the same water where he turns bitter waters into sweet waters. <clears throat> At first, he speaks to the rock and water flows in the desert. Next, he, strike, or he strikes it after and, and water flows. He uses that stick. That's what I'm trying to tell you. God comes through with his word. So what is it that you have in your hand that God can use? We just need to accept it. We need to allow our faith to work into action. God is doing something new in 2016. You could feel it in the atmosphere. You can feel it in the different arenas and industries, whether it's in the scientific realm, in the um, realm of health, or in the realm of politics. Something's happening. I mean, I don't need to remind you what's happening in the political arena. People are about to throw everybody out. Something is happening. God, and God, I think, is using in the spiritual realm to do something as well, to awaken His people. 
And you know who he's using? You. He's called you. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, but 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Shall you perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And then he goes on to the next scripture in, in chapter 48, verses 5 and 6. I want you to take this quote, and he says, I am doing a new thing. Shall you not Oh, 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 excuse me. L let me read it. Can you put it up there? Is, is it possible to, for you to put it up there for me? I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 48, verses 5 and 6. It's, I just need you to, to feel it with me as we read it. 48, Isaiah 48, verses 5 and 6. I don't know if it's possible. I know you, I caught you off guard there. This is what it says. I declared them to you of, of I declared them to you from of old. Therefore I declared them to you long ago, before they took place. I proclaimed them to you, so that you would not say, Maybe my idol has done them, and my graven image, so that you would we would not boast in any other thing. And then he goes on to the next one. My molded image has commanded them. And this is the Lord speaking. You have heard. Look at this. And you, will you not declare it? I proclaim to you new things from this time. That's a, I want you to notice that. First of all, you have heard. So he's telling you to look. All this. And you, and then he asks, will you not declare it? This is how I see it. Hear it, see it, declare it. We've heard about this. It's in the scripture. He wants to use us. We have to see it. How do you see? Not with your physical eyes. Not because with our physical eyes, I can, some, of us, some of us can't see beyond our physical eyes. Humans cannot see beyond our physical eyes. We have to see it with our spiritual eyes, with our faith. We have to activate our faith because if we're going to allow God to use us to step into this, we have to activate our, and be able to declare it, we have to activate our faith. As I was looking to understand faith a little bit some years ago, I remember coming across the root word for faith, and it comes from see. <laughs> faith comes from see, the verb to see. And see, you can take it in two different ways, or faith and see could take it in two different ways. But it's mostly to have knowledge of, to be able to experience something. But here's the two ways. The first one is, to, is a progressing faith or sight or knowledge that you're getting to know something little by little. Some of you have known each other for, I don't know, 10 years. Some of you have known each other for 20 years. Some of you have known each other for 150 years. I don't know. Some of you have known each other for a long time, right? And every day, you continue to get to know each other better and better because it's a progressing knowledge, progressing sight. That's the first one. 
But the, the one I want to focus on, the one that I want you to use your eyes to see what God wants to do and that will allow you to see how God will use you is the second one, which is a certainty to be convinced, to be persuaded. That's why Paul, the apostle, writes in, to the Romans, for I am persuaded. <laughs> oh, man. Every time I say that, I get chills down my back. I, I promise. It, it, it's just amazing. I am persuaded. You know what that means? There's no mind change here. I am certain. I see this as for what it is. I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor height, nor depth will separate me from the love of God. From, from the love of God. That type of faith is what we need activated so that you can know what God is doing in your life. So let me encourage you. Exercise that faith. What is it that you have in your hand that God can use? He used a stick in Moses' hand. But that's not the only example of what God can do. Throughout Scripture, God uses what people have in their hands. Look, let me just give you examples. Enoch walked with God. What is it that Enoch had? Enoch had a walk in his life. What did Noah have? Noah was a righteous man. He had one wife and three sons. He used them. <laughs> what do you got, Noah? Well, Lord, I got a wife and I got three kids. Put them to work. Build a boat. Rain's going to, water's going to fall from heaven. What? Abraham, what do you have in your life? Faith. I got faith, Lord. Okay, I will make you the father of the faith. What do you have in your life, in your hand that God can use? Balaam, the prophet, literally had a donkey in his hand. <laughs> what do you have in your hand, Balaam? I got a donkey in my hand. Speak, donkey. And a donkey speaks. Hey, don't get crazy. This isn't me making things up. That's a scripture. He says he made a donkey speak. I'm going to believe it. He used a donkey. He'll use women as well. Examples. Esther was an orphan. What do you have, Esther, that I can use? A beauty and character. Okay, go ahead. Deliver Israel. Deborah, what do you have? Well, I'm a poet and a songwriter. Okay, you're going to be a prophetess and the only female judge. Anna, what do you have? I got a barren womb. I'll take it. Samuel, come forth. David had a harp. He, he used David's harp to calm Saul's spirit. What else do you have, David? I got a slingshot. I'll use it as well. Takes down a giant. Elijah. Oh, and by the way, he be, by David becomes the man after God's own heart. Elijah, what do you have? Well, I, I'm a loner. I'm a scary cat. Okay, I can still use it. And he uses him, he's a prophet. He uses him to control rain. <laughs> Forget price control. How about rain control? He uses him to work miracles. I'm just giving you examples. Elisha, what do you have? Well, I'm an agriculture guy. I got, I got oxen. I'm a farmer. I'll take it. I'll use you. And he uses him. Daniel, what do you have? Visions. I got visions. I'll make you a visionary, a priest, a president, a prophet. Ezekiel, what do you got? I'm stubborn. I'll take it. 
John the Baptist, what are you? I'm a wanderer. I wandered through the desert. <laughs> I'll take that. Peter, I can imagine him asking Peter, what do you got, Peter? Lord, I'm impatient, I'm impulsive, and all I know how to do is fish. I'll take it, and you'll become a fisher of man and a stubborn guy for the gospel. Stephen, I'm a deacon, I'm a servant. I'll take it, I'll make you a preacher. Are you getting it? You getting it? Paul, what do you got? I'm a persecutor. Okay, I'll use you. Now you're going to be the persecuted. I'm a stoner. Not like that. He would stone people to death, the people of God. Pastor, I'm sorry. That one slipped. <laughs> you know, there's a story of a young boy that comes to Jesus when there's 5,000 people, men, and he literally, I have to stop using the word literally so much, but he literally has two fish and five loaves of bread in his hand. And the Lord uses that to feed 5,000 men. Now, I saw how much you ate this morning, and that is no easy task. 5,000 men until they were satisfied. Not of course, speaking of the women and the children, the growing boys. What do you have in your hand that God can use? I remember the, reading the story of a widow. All she had was a little bit of oil. And the other widow, all she had was a little bit of dough. And God used that. I mean, listen. A little bit of oil flowed into the provision of that household. Into a business that blessed the kingdom. Bless the man of God. God will use you. Where am I trying to get to? You know, not everybody's going to stand behind a podium. Not, anybody, not everybody's going to be a preacher and standing behind the, the pulpit to preach to a crowd. But we need men, and we need men that are out there in this society changing. And I'm going to finish with this. There even came a man to, G to Jesus that had a withered hand that had died, specifically withered, dried up, and died. And the Lord uses that hand. He says, what do you want? I want to be, my hand to be restored. The Lord Jesus says, stretch forth your hand. And as he stretches forth his hand, even that withered, dried up, dead hand lives. Even if you feel like what you have in your hand has withered and dried up and the time has come and gone for it and perhaps you think, ah, when I was young I probably could have done that. I'm here to tell you no. God can use that today. He wants to use that today. So today I want to encourage you in the society in which we live in. We need men to stand up, to step up, to make a difference in different areas of life. Because that's why our people are perishing. That's why they're falling apart. That's why they're in need. I'm going to ask that you stand right there where you are. And I know they, they told me that we can do some, that if you wanted to do some Q&A after, we could do that with, 
the political realm or whatever, but right now let's, let's do this first. And I want to ask right there where you are to stretch forth your hand like this. Just close your eyes and let me just pray for you. Lord, I come before you. These men that have dedicated their life now to you. With all my heart, I bless them. With all my heart, I thank you for them. And I ask, Lord, your word has been delivered today, not mine, your word. Your word has been released. And I ask that what it is, whatever it is that they have in their hand, whether it be a gift of patience or they're artisans or they're, they, they have different talents, wisdoms, and knowledge that they have, Lord, use it for your kingdom. Use it to reach out to those that are fallen apart, God. We need these men more than ever. And I release an anointing from heaven, a fresh anointing over every one of their lives so that you would take those hands and use them in a mighty way. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Do you still want me to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to, so right now, if you want to, uh, if you want to stay, we're going to have a couple of short Q&A. We're going to grill uh, this young man if he wants to get grilled. It's up to him. I'm used to it. <laughs> um, some questions, but if you don't, uh, that's fine. We need help cleaning up some tables in the back, so if you can help with that real quick, we'd appreciate that. Uh, get about 20, yes, sir. We are leaving the table set up for tonight because it's hot. So the tables don't need to get put away. <laughs> Help putting them back, okay? Tell them to use their hands. Use their hands. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you all.